you are listening to Queer Voice with your host, Michael Aaron Gossidis. We are living in queer times. Good morning, good evening, and good night. This is Michael Aaron Gossidis, and you are on another edition of Queer Voice. And thank you for tuning in. I have enjoyed doing these uh, presentations very much so far. And um, indeed, it is quite fun to interesting, quite fun and interesting to uh, highlight the queer times that we are living in. So, on this episode, I'd like to continue with another traditional bout of news and such. I will be interjecting, of course, the Epstein factor into a lot of what I'll be talking about, and then we'll continue again with Focus Epstein. I think uh, the last episode uh, was kind of a um, touch on all of the things that we'll eventually be covering in regards to Epstein and his uh, history of um, money, um, sex, and scandal, um, as well as his connections to celebrity and uh, high places of power. I find it quite interesting that many individuals like Epstein, and Epstein is please be sure, one of many individuals um, who find themselves in this position that uh, gets them close to some of the most wealthiest and most powerful people. It makes one wonder about the nature of the human when given access to anything they desire boundaries that they may be willing to cross. And if you want to get metaphysical, or if you want to get esoteric, then the question becomes, who sets those boundaries? Well, I think there's a unsaid agreement between all of us when it comes to certain things, and things such as child rape and human trafficking activities Epstein and the many like him participate in is one of those things that, unspoken, we have just agreed is a boundary we don't cross. So, we will talk a little bit and I will interject stuff into him. We don't want to forget this case because of all of the things that could happen in this world, and of all of the instances where we have a moment to shine the light or to shed some light on truth, to give some leniency to justice, to be able to liberate ourselves from a vice crook that we've been held in. Well, we would need to pay attention and we'd need to make an issue because there's nothing complicated about child rape. There's nothing complicated about human trafficking. There's nothing complicated when there's evidence of such things occurring. There's nothing complicated about it at all. There's no uh, you know, hidden warfare tactics of a uh, a deep state coup. There's no paper trail to follow. There's video, there's photo, there's evidence. It's black and white if you want to be dualistic. Would this be the final swing of the hammer? The final call to justice where everything becomes justice and everything becomes set right? It's a deep, deep snare. One would have to find out where it goes back to. After all, they say that Epstein is an asset of someone, but who? If Leslie Wexner, 
gave him his money. If he is the wealthy individual that started this entire process for Epstein, then who does Les Wexner listen to? And who is he beholden to? Because the money moved there from somewhere, what did he get in return, and from whom? The other piece of the puzzle is Ghislaine Maxwell, of course. And she is said to be the one who managed Epstein, and was quite possibly the freight mover, the procurer, the groomer of these individuals that would become their victims and eventually their employees. What is her history and where does she come from? We know her father was Robert Maxwell. We know who he was, whether in media or politics. But where do they listen to? Where do they come from? Whom are they beholden to? So I think the next pieces of the puzzle going inward would be to question these individuals. Find Ghislaine Maxwell. Someone was asking where she was. I know that uh, recently on their, what, six-week vacation or something like that, the Democrats have all gone to Italy. And um, what's going on in Italy, one must wonder. Mifsud, they say, is in Italy as well. Who's Mifsud? Mifsud is the Russian asset that gave us the information about the dossier that was fake, that we used to lie to the FISA courts, to investigate an innocent man to ultimately remove him from his presidency. Mifsud is a Russian asset of the United States and British Crown. So, um, true, he's Russian, and it is a dossier. But the information came from our own guy. So, I guess like the snake that loves to eat its tail, these people go round and round and round, never thinking we'd catch up to what is going on. Now, this is not a conspiracy theory. This was indeed a conspiracy. But now it's just a crime. It's not a conspiracy. Now it's just a crime. The conspiracy theory is the, uh, the Russian connection. It's like they're spinning with Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, they're saying because three Russian television stations support Tulsi's point of view and that they align with her and I guess basically they're giving her attention over other candidates. They're saying that there's Russian collusion there and that the Russians are trying to influence the election. Well, I'll be damned if, you know, if she were a celebrity and uh, people in China and Russia were her fans, uh, they might be trying to influence the election. What about, what about, what about the celebrities who have fans in other countries? Does that mean that they're um, no longer patriotic? Does that mean that they're no longer American because uh, these people are trying to influence them? And with their fandom and their influence, they'll do what they want. They'll start hating America. Oh, goodness. Well, maybe that's why most of them sound like they do hate America. So... I don't know. These are indeed queer times. 
because we have before us the capstone, as they say, to this entire debacle. We, we as a country, the United States is symbolic of the freedom that man can have, man being the energy, man being the form of God, however you want to put it. I call it conscience energy inside a human body, but America's the expression, the allegory, the symbol, the metaphor for the freedom that we have to grow and explore and become and transcend and ascend and all that stuff, all that good stuff, love. And it, it's being suppressed. Now, historically speaking, it is these individuals that run the central banks, the Western central banks. It is these people they used that Trojan horse inside each government to overtake. Because if you control the currency, you don't need to control law and politics. You don't need to control the man. By default, you control the man. And they don't know it, but they become their debt slaves, which is what we all are, which is the fact that a lot of us are waking up to, I mean, in droves, people are waking up. So, that time has come. This reality in this country, in America, once the central bankers had control, it became about buying out politicians and lawmakers, businessmen, influence, media, installing a central intelligence. Ramping up on an income tax. Creating fear through audits and the IRS and jail time. Making examples of patriots and people who understood what they were doing. Defining the conspiracy theory. Assassinating president it's been going on for a very long time it's all very complicated who wants to understand it Epstein is the key that we have to remember it's all right there it does happen. And I can't wait until they start to release, like, the footage of people being released from these sex rings, of real children being trapped in cages for these purposes, of women being trapped in these cages, and boys. What are people going to think then? But instead, we have all these distractions. Let me tell you about some of these distractions.
Here's a story. This one's pretty new. It was um, posted on KY3, the place to be. Um, Please do keep in mind that Queer Voice is an aggregate, so I pull news. um, I pull news from uh, articles and uh, publications that I find scouring the internet. A very interesting one coming up about Prince Beto, little Queen Beto O'Rourke over there in El Paso, uh, which kind of goes with the flow of this topic from uh, KY3. Um, They stopped a man from, um, well, I mean, he didn't do anything. He, I guess, they stopped a man from scaring the poor people. I was going to say the poor white people. I don't know. Maybe there's a point to be made here. But um, they stopped a man from scaring the poor white people of Springfield, Missouri. Um, as he walked through a neighborhood marketplace. Or a neighborhood market. He walked through a Walmart. There's some, uh, there's some other interesting items here that I have to note. But... This man walks through a Walmart. He's a white man. Because, of course, white men are killers. And they're all racist. And, um... He's fully loaded with a shotgun and rounds and rounds and rounds of ammunition. Walks into a Walmart, gets a shopping basket, and walks through the Walmart fully armed with a shotgun and rounds and rounds and rounds of ammunition. White guy. So naturally, everyone starts to freak out. I mean, we have these two shootings that just happened. Talk about distraction. Now, I don't want to get too perversely out there and disrespectful. But we'll talk about that in a second. Getting back to this guy at Walmart. So, uh, the article says that um, he grabbed a cart and began pushing it around the store. And then the police say the man was also recording himself walking through the Walmart via his cell phone. And then the manager pulled a fire alarm and urged people to get out of the store. And... um, They say that's when the man made his way to a fire exit, and then firefighters held him at gunpoint. So, no one was shot, no one was hurt. He definitely uh, caused a scene, scared people. I'm sure Walmart is a gun-free zone. I'm sure they probably have signs posted that say it is, you know, against the law to carry a gun. In the store so this man did break a law for sure if he did that because I'm sure the Walmart has that sign posted anyways um, so they say he walked through Walmart and uh, he scared some people I think there was one account of him going up to a counter and asking a question somewhere that I saw anyway so they arrest him um, they say that they can this story says that they cannot make out the nature of his statements that he said to the other people so apparently this guy was talking to other people while he was walking through the Walmart and they say they cannot make out the nature of the statements based on what he said so i'm interested to know what this guy was actually saying and i'm sure he was recording it so it's it's out there somewhere or it's going to come out soon um he had over 100 rounds of ammunition i don't know it seems to me like this guy was trying to make a point um like he was trying to point something out Um, the police say his intent was not to cause peace or comfort. He's lucky he's still alive, to be honest. And to be honest, I think, yes, he is very lucky to be alive. I think whatever point he's made, um, I think he's made some type of point. And it's just interesting to me, uh, 
His intent was not to cause peace or comfort. I mean, definitely not, I would suspect, by going out into a store in this type of um, environment that we're in at the moment because of everything that's going on. And this happened at Republic and Golden. Republic and Golden in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Well, um, I hope that he is, you know, prosecuted to the full extent of the laws which he broke. But um, I do think it will be interesting to hear his story if they allow him to speak. Um, Unless he is, in fact, you know... A nutcase, but, you know, we can't be one to judge, and uh, I think passing that one down is probably one of the worst things that you can do to make someone, in effect, um, not inactive, that's not the word I'm looking for, but it'll come to me. In the meantime, when we're talking about this entire case, when we're talking about uh, this this man who has hundreds of rounds of ammunition and he stopped by an armed firefighter, oh, he was an off-duty firefighter, in fact, who had his own gun and stopped him, um, I think there's an illustration to be made about some of the things that happened over this past weekend. Uh, We had that shooting that occurred in my state of Texas here that happened in El Paso. And then we have the shooting that occurred in Ohio. Um, Now, the one in Ohio, uh, interestingly enough, they cannot explain because... Well, the story of that man does not fit the narrative that the news media whom I call the Mockingbird Media because of the supposed Operation Mockingbird that occurred with the CIA uh, injecting its own people into media and into entertainment to steer narratives and gain access to that industry, um, which is an industry that obviously is great for control. But anyhow, I call them the Mockingbird Media, but their narrative, of course, is to um, belabor the white supremacy and the racist point of view uh, as the Russian collusion point of view failed. Uh, But they have to find some way to divide the people. Race is the easiest way to divide the people because it becomes easier to identify one's enemy by the color of their skin by, than by the actions that they are performing against each other. It's much easier to bring about negative and heavy feelings in regards to an individual when you look at the color of their skin. So... That's what they're using to divide, and that is the easiest way for them to conflate this illusion of hate. It's an illusion. The fact that anyone could feel that four-letter word is just an illusion. But they can, they can make it real, and they can conflate it in this way. So, they don't really press the Ohio story, but the El Paso story is something that they've definitely stuck to. And it really makes me wonder about how these people operate. Um, I, I honestly think that in some way, because there, there have been other shootings since, and there have been other incidences since, But I really feel that in some way this is part of an operation that they have planned um, wherein those same central bankers that I was speaking about earlier whom um, have also been referred to as the deep state. We know that they are not 
really or truly the Illuminati because that is where that is part of the mythos where this began, you know. But that is not who they are. Um, I think you could also call them the CIA if you wanted to, but um, it's not just them, it's not just that. You know, there are good people that do things for this country there. Um, but and, and that is the same in in all, if not most departments of of this you know country um but these same individuals they are very close to being outed and again it goes back to that everything i just mentioned it goes back to epstein where most of them have been caught where most of them have been They've been witnessed, they've been seen, they've been found, they've been discovered, they've been known. It is known, regardless of whether or not people know it's known. Because enough people know to know that this has occurred. It just, it's it's having it come out, it's it's realizing it, it's having to, to deal with it, it's having to, to, to bear it, it's having to know it. That these individuals have been caught doing what they do and that's why they say who was epstein working for i've heard and this has been said that he is possibly an agent of mossad and that's an entirely other thing that we would have to look into and to find out because what if the intent was to blackmail or if the intent was to control or what was the intent, you know, was the intent just to stop, to bring down these individuals? And does the ends justify the means? In other words, is it okay to let them carry on doing their thing just to catch them in the act? And how far does that go? It doesn't seem that the ends justifies the means because you would have had that under control. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't have let it gotten past a certain point. So why, if he was an agent of someone, did they allow that to happen? Why that? Why that far? Why that much? How could you justify that? And that's why the Epstein story is going away. And that's why there's distractions. The first distraction we talked about back when, you know, and and that was a major thing that occurred. It was great political drama. It was great television, you know, you know, that was that was the Nancy Pelosi versus the squad. That was the uh, that was the coming of AOC and her gal pals, you know, that was the light on the justice the Democrats, the frauds, these progressive individuals. So now we have to see the plants. I know that in my media on Queer Voice and on the Queer Voice analysis reporting that Tulsi Gabbard has been quite the feature. Um, because after all, she, uh, she comes across as a patriot, you know? She comes across as someone who really gets it. She's coming across from an entirely different angle. And so um, one of the uh, commenters out in YouTube who had seen the reporting had pointed me to the Joe Rogan interview with Tulsi Gabbard. And uh, this was to give a better perspective or to give more perspective from her point of view on um, the regime change wars that are occurring in the Middle East between the United States' CIA, the deep state arm in the country, and their history of regime change, what they've done since 9-11 and the supposed war on terror, which back in 2003, we went into supposedly to defeat Saddam Hussein, who had ties to 9-11 which he didn't and then it became about bombs uh, weapons of mass destruction and now it's just down about right oil and regime change which is what it has become which is what the plan had always been 
to capture or recapture these rogue states defying the western back central banks and those who lead them who leads them they say it was families the rothschilds you've heard those names in the conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory loops for for years right it's the rothschilds and and the vanderbilts and uh the chase banks and the warrensteins and all of those individuals and there's more names i can't think of at the moment but Rothschilds. Anyways. So, these distractions occur. An operation. They say, if you release this information, we're going to go out and start shooting people. Does that occur? I don't know, but it can. The one in El Paso, Texas, occurred with an individual who, um, they say, went out to go shoot the Mexicans. It was a white guy. I think this is the one that was the kid. Um, let's see. Just so I can be clear. But a lot of stuff has come out about this individual. Uh, they're finding out that I think this is the one that was the child. Because he was like 17 or so. Maybe 18. They knew he had a, a history of violence. At least, you know, expressively so. Um... Let's see here. It says the mother had actually contacted the police that she was concerned about a gun. Um, so, Patrick Crucius. Okay. So, he doesn't sound Caucasian. I mean, the name Patrick, yes, but so does Robert O'Rourke, right? It's a debato. Anyways, um, let's see here. Patrick Crucius's uh, parents are speaking out in a statement that they made to the... Um, oh, my goodness. I apologize. Okay. Um, so this is from the Wall Street Journal. The family wrote that Patrick's actions were apparently influenced and informed by people that we do not know and from ideas and beliefs that we do not accept or condone. That's very interesting. So I'm interested to know. CBS News, this is where I'm getting this from, and they say that was stated in the um, Wall Street Journal. They continued, he was raised in a family that taught love, kindness, respect, and tolerance, rejecting all forms of racism, prejudice, hatred, and violence. The statement comes the same day a Walmart employee coalition has scheduled a nationwide walkout to protest the chain's gun sales. And in El Paso, where emotions are still raw, survivors are returning to the store to retrieve their cars. Interesting. Kiana Long couldn't hold back tears as she finally turned to the Walmart on Tuesday. It was just the quick bursts. She said through sobs, my husband asked me what it was. He was like, is that gunshots? I told him I didn't know because it sounded like fireworks. And then I turned and I look and I see people running and saying, he's shooting, he's shooting, he's shooting. So these are firsthand reports from individuals that experienced this uh, terror at the El Paso Walmart. Um, so the... Um, the uh, article goes on to state that um, it's about more first-hand experience. Let's see. I guess that's all it has to say. Yes. Mm. That is what this article is about. So there's some instance here where they're saying that he was, the family is saying that he was uh, influenced by beliefs that they don't accept. They don't know where it came from. So I think that would be interesting to find out. I think a lot of this will be interesting to find out. I, I find that I come across these situations as well as these instances that are proving to be uh, bountiful in regards to that matter.
Alleged shooter cased El Paso Walmart before the rampage. That's what law enforcement in El Paso says. Let's see here. Oh, goodness. Let's see here. Okay, goodness. So it says the suspect in the killing rampage at Walmart in El Paso, Texas, allegedly cased the store looking for Mexicans to kill before he came back and unleashed a barrage of gunfire that left 22 people dead and more than two dozen injured, law enforcement officials told ABC News. This story comes from ABC News. The latest twist in the investigation of the mass shooting came just hours after doctors in El Paso confirmed that two more victims had died from bullet wounds suffered in the Saturday morning massacre, increasing the death toll to 22. The suspect, identified as Patrick Crucius, 21, told investigators following his arrest that he allegedly set out to kill as many Mexicans as he could, according to authorities. So that's an interesting... Um, this individual, Patrick Crucius, was intent on doing this. Well, I don't know. I I had uh, met this individual who... I don't know what his deal was, but... Anyways, going inside on Saturday without any weapons, he apparently went to go size up the clientele inside the store, which is about five miles away from the United States-Mexico border. Wow, so he drove down there, of course, to El Paso, Texas. Um, so, again, this guy goes down there, and this fits the narrative that they're looking for. It's about race, it's about death. So, I don't think that this was, by any means, a fake, or an, I don't think it was a staged event, per se. I don't think it was fake. I think these things really happened. I think there was really death. What I have heard is that they, they say that there was more than one shooter that I'm not aware of, but I've heard that. Um, but you hear that at all of these types of events. Mm. The latest twist in the investigation, they say here again, is that he had confirmed it was about race indeed. And exploitation is the other word that comes to mind when I think about pushing a certain narrative. Because you have the Ohio example where this person was um, a Democrat and... and I take that back. I don't know that he was a Democrat. I know that he believed in a left-leaning agenda. And uh, I think possible ties to like Antifa or something like that. Some, some type of organization in that regard. This guy is... Apparently he's white. Crucius doesn't sound white to me, but apparently he's white. And he wants to kill Mexicans. And he stated that, that he's doing just so so it shows the bias right there you had the same amount of people well not the same amount of people you had the same type of incident occur in ohio as did in el paso um and then you have this guy walking into a walmart armed to the teeth not killing people i get the sense of trying to get people to feel familiar with that type of feeling that you can see this that this this does exist without the murder without the killing without the death it's not comforting to know but it is out there you know it's like when i go down to mexico or, or when i did go down to mexico and you'd see the people on the back of trucks the men with the big big guns the automatics and the semi-automatics just out and the ammunition but no one freaks out because they're used to that. They're, they're, they understand what that is. They are familiar with it. So I'm not saying that that's what this guy who went to Walmart fully loaded on Republic and Golden was doing in setting that example. But what I am saying is that do you think about these three situations, these three scenarios what is the number one thing you hear coming out of uh, the mouths of the celebrities and the politicians? Racist, racist, racist. I call them race baiters. 
what is the number one thing that you hear coming out of the media and the stories that they're really, really introducing to us. They don't tell you about the stories where the gun stops the massacre. They don't tell you about the stories where the gun saves the life. They do tell you about the stories where the gun murders dozens of individuals. Those are the stories they tell you about. Anyways, so talking about that is a distraction from Epstein. So this way you're not thinking about this guy. What's going on with him anyways? What have they done with Epstein? Last I heard, they gave his lawyers a year to prepare the case. So Epstein will be in jail or in prison or what have you for a year. How much you want to bet in a few months to maybe half a year? They let him go on leave and he doesn't have to be inside the jail anymore. How much do you want to bet? There's no telling what will happen at that point. But you have to keep it top of mind. They have to get Ghislaine. They have to get her. They have to question her. Let's hope Ghislaine is still alive. Because if she's next to go and they haven't found her, she'll probably show up somewhere now that I've said that, which is good. Just like good old, uh, what's her face? Good old, uh, Supreme Justice, what's her name? Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. God, that's an interesting story. Did any of y'all see that interview she did? The one that proved she's alive? Man. You know, she she sat there. It was very interesting. I think, if anything, the reason why she has not been around is because they're running out of that ambrosia, you know? With uh, everyone cracking down on the uh, child trafficking there's not enough uh, adrenochrome to go around so she's been uh, she's been in stasis for the last few months you know saving up her energy ready to make that big old appearance with the uh, the uh, hog of a hog of a reporter that sits with her shoes like hanging off her feet um, very very professional for you know such a an important an important interview on international TV, I'm sure. But, uh... Wraith... Uh, Wraith... Wraith! Woof, man, what a Freudian flip. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Sitting in a chair. You know, leaned over. There ain't no muscles there, anyways. At the very end of that interview. When they're talking about that congressman that says she's dead. And... She can't help but point out that she's the one that's very much alive. (laughs) And they laugh. She's alive. I don't think he is anymore. But anyways, very interesting. Yes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is alive. They've shown you her on that, that interview. Anyways, okay, so... Where was I? That totally sidetracked me. Just seeing that woman, thinking about her. Um, let's see here. The patient had many injuries. There are a lot of uh, tales of um, what has happened to those affected in this shooting. I think it's very unfortunate. It's sad. And like I said, these are things that really happened. This event really occurred. Is it political exploitation? I believe it is. It's definitely a bias. Um, the fact that these two instances did happen on the same day, I think does not, it does not add to the fact that guns are prevalent and gun violence is prevalent. That's obvious. Gun violence happens every day. I think there's more, uh, 
black-on-black type violence or, you know, one-on-one type gun violence that happens every day, Mexican-on-Mexican gun violence. I think think Mexican-Mexican and black-on-black happen more than white-on-white, but I'm pretty sure, and more than white-on-black or white-on-Mexican, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't mean to be racist towards the other groups. I'm sure there's yellow and yellow and red and red and orange and orange, you know, and blue and blue. But, you know, I think statistically speaking, it's more prevalent among, you know, the black, brown, caramel and, well, white, I guess. Anyways, so as I was saying, is it a political distraction definitely exploitation or is there something more to it you know um because after all this guy this crucius guy who went after all the mexicans they say um on his social network web pages that he was in fact a democrat and you know that he held certain viewpoints i think he may have been more progressive than anything else Um, But it makes you wonder about what society environment are doing to these people, where they come from, what makes them who they are. For example, um, some people have tied pharmaceuticals to instances like this, instances wherein uh, the drug that they are taking shuts down or turns off certain parts of the brain and it affects everyone in a different way but they just need that percentage they just need that slight percentage that affects in just the right way to turn on or turn off certain things in an individual to make them more susceptible to manipulation or suggestion to make them more susceptible to feelings of uh, anxiety or or of uh, sociopathic traits, stuff like that. So it it doesn't matter. They can track it, they can find it, uh, and they can exploit it. And um, it makes you wonder why certain things happen the way they do. If this person's listed as a Democrat, and then all of a sudden he becomes a Republican, well all the more reason to exploit it. It's much easier than an individual who, like the Ohio shooters, they say, his political alignment did not fit the description of what they were looking for. It's like that idiot congresswoman who cried wolf, what was it, I think it was in Georgia, maybe, or North Carolina, or somewhere over there, where she cried wolf and tried to say that an evil white man told her to go back to where she came from and it was racist and she's pregnant and now she's scarred for life and her baby's probably going to be uh, have post-traumatic syndrome as well. She tried to push that narrative that woman did. And what happened? She ended up picking on a Cuban-American, not even white, who hated Trump, who he thought was racist which blew up in her face. And then video comes out, and it blows up even more. Oh, goodness. And she has to basically take back everything that she said about the entire story. Pretty sad, huh? Well, I don't know that I covered all the news that I wanted to cover. I wanted to cover quite a bit. Um... In line with that, I guess we'll close with this, in line with that entire uh, story in regards to the shooting and in regards to violence and guns, because now the big issue is, of course, gun control, and the debate has returned. In fact, they say President Trump is looking at, uh, I guess, gun... um, gun background checks and and different things like that and they say the nra is opposed to it now i'm hearing stories that he could possibly lose his base over it and i think that they're really blowing it up before it's even become anything and i think that an individual like trump probably is amused by everything that's going on 
Or it could very well be part of the plan. He'll give some things to the gun lobby. And he'll give some things to those who are anti-gun, right? So this has become a big political thing, an exploitation of these tragic events in both El Paso and Ohio. Although, whereas in both of these events, you can truly exploit the cause for gun control. It is only in El Paso where you can also exploit the cause for racism. You can also exploit the cause for hate speech, um, as well as gun violence. But what are some other things that have come out of this? Well, if you're someone who follows the storyline of El Paso, and you're still thinking about hate speech and racism, because this is exactly what this story is pushing, and this is exactly why it's still in the head front, well then it becomes easier to talk about hate speech and it becomes easier to talk about racism and it becomes easier about opposing those who support individuals that use racism and hate speech they believe president trump supports hate speech they believe president trump is racist they believe president trump makes it easier to be racist. They think President Trump makes it easier to use hate speech. And because of this, if you support him, then you support hate speech. And you support racism. And you may in fact be racist yourself. So, introducing Representative Joaquin Castro. Love seeing him down at the bathhouse every now and then. But anyways, he's a Democrat of Texas, and he says he's posted a list of Trump's donors that support him, those in San Antonio, because he wants people to think twice about supporting the president. So already, if you're telling someone to think twice, well, you're kind of being a bully, don't you think? Now, it's very, very well documented, and especially in the Austin-San Antonio corridor, that individuals such as Antifa and the like do exist. The Red Guard exists. Yes, they do. And these people tend to harm individuals that follow the narrative. Those individuals that are aware of what President Trump is doing and are aware of what these individuals stand for. They are, after all, against America. They are not patriotic. They are communist. They are fascist. They are progressive. They are socialist. They are Democrat. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. And just wait till I... um, Just wait till I comb through history. But when instating the two-party system, I'm sure that they were well aware they could be American and socialist. Is that what you want to call it? Republican and socialist. Uh, What else would they have called it? Whig? (laughs) But no, you had Republican... And Democrat. And the socialist hid behind that moniker, and I believe that's what it is. Because uh, these are the arm, these are the people that wanted wanted such things. Uh, let's see here. And we'll comb through history. We will comb through it. But anyways, so we have this individual who knows that, um, as I was saying, Antifa and such, uh, such groups, they do harm. They commit harm to individuals that, you know, support Trump, who vote Republican, who are conservative. It's a very interesting side of the coin to be on. And he says he wants them to think twice. Republican, or sorry, Representative Joaquin Castro, Democrat. 
So Joaquin, okay, so for those of you who don't know, and I do know because I live in Texas and I lived in San Antonio when these guys were first starting out, uh, I say these guys because there's Joaquin and then there's his twin brother. Mm-hmm. They are twins and he's the one who's running for president. Um, both are Democrat, by the way. So... I don't know. Personally, I always thought they were gay. And I only say this because, after all, I am a gay man. And, um, well, I live in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, I lived there for, like, the majority of my life. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's just always what we thought. Um, Julian and, and Joaquin. I don't know. Joaquin, maybe he is... Let's see here. Anyway, so this guy, Joaquin, he's a, he's a piece of trash. You can tell now he plays he plays dirty Jesse Smollett politics. Like this is exactly what this is. He's one of those individuals that thinks that because he feels so passionately about something or because he's so upset, he's so triggered by uh, those who support Trump because his side is losing and they look like fools. He's going to go and Jesse Smollett all of this up. And what does this individual do? He writes a list saying that people should think twice about uh, supporting Trump because this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to get your name put out there on a list of um, Trump supporters. And whether or not this is public knowledge, my people know what this list means and what you're supposed to do anyways that's just the way i see it it seems like he's trying to strong arm him or be some type of boss daddy i'm sorry baby but there's only one type of daddy that you could be so you should just stick to what you're good to you know and uh that's basically all i gotta say about that i can't believe that he did this i think that um I think that this is going to hurt his brother's chances at being a president more than they're going to help him. Um, To be quite honest, I'm surprised that they don't have more of the gay vote (laughs) than they do, but maybe they know more than I know. So yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up there. I was just going to talk a little bit about this Joaquin and some of how this exploitation is used um they have this entire thing with him and castro defends it he doesn't think that anyone would be hurt he doesn't think that anyone would be a target and um i'll gladly say hey i'm i'm proud that you know the owners of bill miller barbecue are supporters of trump I'm proud that they did that, and I will go eat more Bill Miller chicken. I mean, let's get real. Coming from Austin, Texas, uh, an establishment like Bill Miller doesn't stand a chance. There's so much authentic and really, really good barbecue out here. But it's like I tell everyone, I don't go to Bill Miller for the barbecue. I go to Bill Miller for the fried chicken So, because I think it's far better than, like, churches churches is just you know kind of oily and used and kfc is a joke uh we don't even need to talk about kfc they they uh they're just like experimentation chicken parts or something like that or they're the leftovers from the science project chickens so why bother that's why they season them up and they make them so flavorful with fake toxic stuff but um yep go to bill for the fried chicken so and i'm proud i'm proud that they did what they did and uh that's a texas thing anyways so so screw castro he's a piece of trash i think it is important to note that um joaquin i'll see you down at aci on saturday but um as for his brother i think if i were his brother and trust me because not only am I originally from San Antonio? Not only am I Hispanic, but I'm also a twin. So get, get this. I can definitely relate. I can definitely relate. If I were Julian, I would be so mad at Joaquin. I'd be so pissed off. I would be like, I worked my ass off. 
I worked hard to put those people down in that first debate and make a name for myself. And now you've gone and you've mussed it up by being a Jesse Smollett and ratting out some of my own supporters. (laughs) So mad. I would have been so mad. So Julian, Joaquin, (laughs) you guys have fun. Y'all have made yourselves a great representation of what it means to be total dickwads. And now I will leave you to your day. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to Queer Voice with Michael Aaron Gossadis. We are living in queer times. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to check us out on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, and Pocket Caster. Tell your friends, spread the link, or become a supporter. And thank you again.